Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our weekly episodes, you'll hear business leaders and entrepreneurs share how they put social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. You can find full show notes for today's show and additional resources at givetoprofit.com. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, where it would also be great if you could leave us a rating and review. For every review this month, we'll be sponsoring a child to go to school for a day in Cambodia. And so now, here's your host, business mentor, speaker and author, Alison McKenzie. Hi everyone, this is your host, Alison McKenzie, here again, and I'm delighted to be with you today. Thanks for tuning in. It's wonderful to know that our kind-hearted souls, who, like me, see business as being more than just about money. Yes, running a profitable business, of course, is important, but that business is also a great opportunity to be kind. And today, I'm really pleased to be chatting to somebody who I reached out to while researching my book and trying to find out what was happening around the world in relation to to cause marketing. Since then, we've met up during a recent trip I had to Sydney in Australia. And not only did I discover another cafe selling wonderful avocado toast, but we both discovered we had a lot in common and a lot to talk about. So today I'll be chatting with cause marketing expert, Carolyn Butlin Madden, on how to use cause-led marketing to build a more meaningful and profitable brand. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you, Alison. Pleased to be with you. Oh, I just knew that. I, I mean, I couldn't believe. I, mean, I knew when we spoke, you know, initially that we clicked, but it was just we had such a good time in Sydney. And, I know it's uh, brilliant. I'm waiting. I'm hanging out for your next visit. Oh yes, can't wait. Um, and for those listening, we are planning one. <laughs> so anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's, I'm I'm just thrilled to have you here because I know you've got so much knowledge that you can share with our listeners today. But before we actually get into the topic, I wonder if you could share how you became a cause marketing specialist. Yes, sure. So my background is agency side of marketing. I've had about over 30 years working agency side, first in London for 10 years and then the last 20 years um, here in Australia. And it was mainly in the below the line side of marketing. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but it's all about driving results for brands. So you know, driving sales, driving brand engagement, getting people to switch to your brand from another brand. And yeah, so promotions, new product launches, loyalty programs, that sort of thing. And about 20 years ago, we were, we did some work with a company called Caltex, who are one of Australia's largest petrol retailers, petrol and convenience retailers. And we created their local area marketing program. And we developed it into a community-centric program. So you can imagine petrol retailers, you know, they're, they're, they're not particularly liked. They're seen as big, bad corporates. Uh, but they're franchisees. So these are people who, you know, it's their own business. They're local business people. So this program was all about connecting them with their local communities. So their local schools, sports clubs, hospitals, but in a way where they contributed to those organisations and in a way that they use that contribution to drive patronage, you know, back to their business. And 
just when we did that, and we ran that program for about 20 years, that's when, you know, my eyes were initially opened to seeing how local businesses doing good in their local community could drive business results. And it worked really, really well. And then about seven years ago, I had a planner, a strategic planner, and we were working on a brand opportunity. And she came to me, she'd done a stack of research. And she said, you know, I think you need to see this. And she'd researched cause marketing globally. And, you know, a lot of her research at that time came from the US. But I was really, I was, I was stunned because it was, it was like nothing I'd seen here in Australia. So we did a campaign and it worked really well. And when I say it worked really well, it worked in terms of it was for a bottled water brand here. And it was like a promotional campaign. So it was kind of a bit, bit of a tactical cause campaign. But the results were, you know, good sales, so sales increase, but also they measured brand health. So they measured how people's attitudes to the brand changed. And in terms of questions like, you know, is this a brand I can trust? The metrics, the results to that went up phenomenally. Wow. And this was the only campaign the brand had run. So that kind of just, you know, I looked at that and thought, wow, there's something here. And I've always been a bit of a hippie at heart and a bit of a social activist. So that kind of thing appealed to me personally. And I took myself off in 2012 to Chicago to a global cause marketing conference that was run by an organization called Cause Marketing Forum. It's now called Engage for Good. And they're one of, you know, the foremost global organizations. And Alison, I just, I was blown away you know, by how far advanced they were and what they were doing. And it was strategically aligned cause partnerships and brands, you know, I call it brands doing well by doing good. But it was like long term. It wasn't your tactical promotional stuff. And there was one speaker there who won the Halo Award and she was from Procter & Gamble. And Procter & Gamble were awarded the Halo Award. And she spoke about campaign for their brand Pampers. I don't know if your listeners are going to be familiar with it. It was a, in partnership with UNICEF. And it's called One Pack Equals One Vaccine. And that campaign started in Europe in 2006. And it started pretty much as a Christmas promotion. And it has run since then. So it's been going for 11 years. It's become a global program. They aligned with UNICEF. And basically it was, so Pampers brand positioning is Pampers Cares for Babies Happy Healthy Development. So they wanted a cause that was aligned with that strategically. And the cause was targeting maternal and neonatal tetanus. So every four minutes, a newborn baby in developing countries, a newborn baby was dying every four minutes. And sometimes the mother was dying and it was due to tetanus. So an entirely preventable disease and people are still dying from it. So that was the program that they decided they wanted to partner with and create an impact with. And in 2012, when I was there, she gave this talk and it just completely changed my, I guess, how I viewed the role that brands can play in society. So this campaign, it was one pack equals one vaccine. So for every pack of nappies you bought, it funded a vaccine. So it's a life-saving purchase, which is so emotive. 
Mm-hmm. And she said then, she said, you know, our biggest challenge at Procter & Gamble is keeping the business focused on this program because she said, we get new marketers coming in every day going, oh, let's do something a little bit different. And she said, and I have to this up to that day and since that day, I have never heard a marketer speak with such conviction. She said, this program has delivered the best sales that Procter & Gamble have ever had. Now, I don't know. I can't remember if she said, you know, the best yeah. ever or one yeah. of the best ever, but think about Procter & Gamble globally. And, you know, that's a huge claim to make. And she said, you know, the impact we've created at that time, they had in partnership with UNICEF, they had eliminated it from eight countries Wow! and they funded 400,000 vaccines. And she said with so much conviction, I got goosebumps. She said, we will not stop until we've eliminated MNT from the globe. Now, wow. she was a marketer and I had goosebumps and every person in that room was me on that. And that was I in 2000. I listening to Have the you? story. Oh, my totally. God. Just, totally. It was, it was amazing. And, you know, since then, five years on from then, that program is still going. They are within a hair's breadth of eliminating MNT from the globe. And, and that, that's a marketing campaign. It's phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, that, and the way that it sounds like she said that with conviction, she was so emotionally in, attached to the potential impact they could have, which is fantastic, yes. you know. Yes. And this is one piece, you know, it's so important because, you know, sometimes, you know, when I have conversations with business owners, well, it feels a bit manipulative just to be adding on that charitable component. And I keep saying, yes, but it's not about that. If you're, if you're being authentic, if you are coming from a place of genuinely wanting to have impact and positive positive impact in the world you know causes need our support there are plenty of social problems that businesses like us can help solve absolutely not, large or small it's you know absolutely. it's steps. and I think one of the other you know one of the other things that you mentioned there that is so critical to this working I'm sure you'll agree is is actually about being strategic in the way that we develop the right partnerships between our businesses and brand and choosing the right cause for us absolutely it's got to be credible and it's got to be authentic but yes the idea of a brand or a business profiting from doing good. I know for some people that doesn't sit well, but I will argue with them till I'm blue in the face because, you know, it's a sustainable model. Totally. If if business can drive positive social impact, if business can actually, you know, collaborate with their customers to drive positive social impact, and if they can do well while they're doing that, or as a benefit of doing that, God, I'm happy for businesses to do brilliantly out of it because it's win-win and it's sustainable. And it means that, you know, when budgets need to be cut because a business needs to become more agile, that's not going to be the first thing on the, ch- on the chopping board. No. If it's driving success. So, yeah, I'll argue till I'm blue in the face on that one. And especially if everybody involved in the business is also engaged with that. You know, it's the emotional engagement that starts to happen, isn't it? And the connections and the way that it can really enhance a culture. So I know that's something we're going to talk about later on as well. Um, But before we sort of move into that area, I wonder, just to clarify, because there may be some new listeners that are unfamiliar with, with what cause marketing is actually about. Um, 
Um, and I know I, you know there's an earlier episode where I spoke to Joe Waters on this topic, who of course is also involved with Engage to Good too. But how would you describe it to people listening into this show? So cause marketing is when a for-profit aligns with a cause, and it, that could be a not-for-profit organisation, but it doesn't have to be, but a for-profit aligning with the cause to unlock brand and social value. Fantastic. So it's a win-win. Unfortunately, though, I'm not sure what it's like over in Scotland and the UK, but here in Australia, when you say cause marketing, people instantly think of the old sort of tactical, transactional, turn your product pink sort of opportunistic cause marketing that we saw here maybe 12, 15 years ago. And it's not, it's so much more than that, which is why, you know, my book, I've used the words cause-led marketing. Yes, I like that. Yeah, it's a small difference, but it's just trying to get across. It's so much more than that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And actually, because what you're talking about here is also the brand. So, you know, for businesses, for some businesses, I know when I started out, I didn't even know there was such a thing as cause marketing. I just started making these bracelets to raise money for, you know, the genocide survivors (laughs) in Rwanda, took them along to to networking events and, and then got caught up in what started to happen next, which of course was my whole brand changed. That's and how brilliant. You knew it intuitively. Yeah. Well, actually, I think in all honesty, I'd love to say it was intuitive, but in all honesty, I was thinking, how can I actually raise money for the cause yep. in a way that doesn't take any extra time because I was running a full-time business? Yeah. Um, and maybe there was a little bit of divine intervention or intuition in that too. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's for some people it, and for anyone listening to this who just wants to start out by, you know, giving it a shot, you know, you don't necessarily need to have that big intention to be shifting no. a brand or doing any kind of rebranding piece here. But what we are talking about is that when you do this and when you start to do it consistently and you start to get engaged with it, it starts, to, especially with smaller businesses, it's, it can be very quick in terms of um, becoming part of who you are and therefore what your business is about. It's addictive, and, isn't it? Totally. And I mean, you talk about a more meaningful brand. So again, when you're talking about a more meaningful brand, what is it you mean by that? A meaningful brand is it's a brand that stands for something more than profit. So today, particularly with millennials who, you know, are well known for seeking purpose in everything and seeking more meaning in things, having a brand that's meaningful is, 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 it's simply about standing for more than profit. And if you look at, you know, I spoke about Pampers before. So Pampers stands for happy, healthy babies. And they back that up with that campaign we just talked about. Airbnb, for example, they now stand for a sense of belonging and acceptance. Mm. And, you know, they've done some beautiful stuff around that. So it's not just about what a brand says it is you know the old the old traditional way of marketing and advertising used to be you sit there and I'll tell you all about my brand you listen (laughs) do do you know what I mean and now and now it's about well show me what are you doing Hmm. you know if this if these are your values how do you live your values as a brand Um, Patagonia is another beautiful example and you know they do outdoor clothing surfers clothes and mountain climbing and things like that and their their brand their purpose is all about the environment you know everything they do is about trying to 
um, you know, do good for the environment and 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 have less harm on the environment. So, you know, and they they attract tribes of followers who believe in the brand. So those are some examples of what I call meaningful brands. Yeah, no, fantastic. And it's something which I it's interesting because it can evolve for some people and other people go in with with this as being the specific intention and that's what i love about you know business that we have that choice we can do this to whatever extent we want to do it um i wonder could you share some more thoughts i know you've touched on on already but share some more thoughts on why doing good is good for business Oh, there's, oh, and there's so much research on this. You know, I just talked about millennials and that's a big, big driver, but it's not limited to millennials, just consumers as a whole. You know, they expect more of business today. And I think this is just my personal view, but I think as we've become, you know, as governments seem to be letting us down and we're becoming more exasperated with government's inability to deliver what we want them to deliver, and their inability to do the right thing for our planet, our people, people are looking to who else can fill that role. And business is right there. And there's some research on that that shows that they're looking at business. But more than that, people are also looking at themselves and they want to contribute more and they want business to help them contribute more. So they're they're not just looking at business going, yeah, that's your responsibility and you should do something. They want businesses to make it easier for them to get involved because they understand that that is how they will have impact at scale rather than just an individual doing something. So there's a ton of research around there. And, you know, some of the things that I, I talk to my clients about, which is really important for them, is there's a stat from Havas Meaningful Brands. They do a study called the Havas Meaningful Brands Index. And what they've discovered is that most people wouldn't care if 74% of brands disappeared. Oh, wow. In fact, it was 74% of brands that they buy disappeared. So, you know, that's scary if you're in business and particularly for big business and corporates, that's really scary. And there's definitely a trust deficit with business. Interestingly, not so much with SMEs, you know, the research I've seen, I've seen some research, I think it's from Deloitte on millennials actually, and millennials think that SMEs are stepping up but there's a gap between what corporates are doing or what millennials think corporates are doing and what they could be doing. So there's, there's an impact gap, but Mm -hmm. um, 87% of consumers believe business needs to place at least equal weight on society's interests as on business interests. You know, you think about that, that's almost 90% at least equal weight. So the expectations are high and businesses need to step up and you can see social enterprise you know the growth of social enterprise is huge and that's because they're filling a need and they're you know god some of the stories of some of the social enterprises is amazing simply in terms of how they're using their supporters to drive distribution gains to drive funding you know through crowdsourcing it's incredible And some other stats, Um, actually, yeah, let me tell you these because they're 
quite interesting. 80% of people are willing to buy a product from an unknown brand with strong social and environmental credentials. Wow, I love that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 71% have said that they're willing to pay more for a socially and environmentally responsible product. And listen to this one, 57% of people would purchase a product of lower efficacy or quality if it was more socially or environmentally responsible. Seriously, that is the most surprising one. Yeah. That's mental, Incredible. isn't it? That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's a study from Accenture from marketing to mattering. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that when I started doing my research, when I was writing my book that really shocked me was, I mean, this was something that I'd, you know, just, I think of it as an accidental route for my business to have taken. (laughs) But when I started doing my research and really started to understand some of the trends that were happening in consumers, I began to realize that unless businesses really do embrace this, and it isn't only about actually doing good, it's about being able to demonstrate we're doing good. And I loved how you said, you know, that consumers actually want us as business owners to actually help them contribute more. I mean, even just in Scotland, I have heard in the last six months, I've heard of three different apps being developed here by companies to help their consumers, the people buying what they're offering, um, to demonstrate their impact. They want to be able to actually know their impact on their mobile phones, the youngsters. through apps and you know and I was I think you know this you know when I was out in Australia I I was involved in adding a charitable component to a conference out there and we did raise a lot of money in a matter of a few hours and the biggest bit of feedback that again surprised me was how much something like 90% of the audience um, who'd never experienced this before said that that was what had contributed really you know it, it had a massive positive contribution to the conference because because it gave them the opportunity to give. Yeah, and people feel good about that. Correct. You know, and I think, you know, it's when we align our businesses in this way, it can really, it can ignite a different passion, you know. And we don't have to be a social business. We don't have to be a social enterprise to have good and to do good in the world, you know, because there are a lot of businesses for which that isn't the right model. Absolutely. So, you know, actually any commercial business can do good. It's just looking at how you can do it. Absolutely. And you can do it, you know, in small ways you can, and often that's been a starting point to do it in a small way, you know, even in a bit of a tactical way. And then, you know, when businesses see the impact and the response and not just from consumers and customers but from their own people you know the the lovely thing about cause marketing is it also when it's done well it in it ignites your own people because they feel like they're doing something that has real value in the world definitely yeah um and you i know you've got a nice little anecdote about chocolate and the science of cause marketing (laughs) (laughs) would you like to share that yeah chocolate's got to come into most conversations (laughs) (laughs) have you ever watched someone eat a piece of chocolate when you haven't been eating it oh it's painful (laughs) well no apparently not you might think it's painful but there's this whole piece that um, I, I, I listened to a talk on this and it was the science of cause marketing and they talked about chocolate 
and the fact that if you watch someone eat a piece of chocolate, your mirror neurons start firing. So we've got in our brain something called mirror neurons, which light up when you're watching something like that and it mirrors the feeling that you're, the person you know, you're watching is having. So you actually get the endorphin hit of eating of your, you know, the person you're watching eating chocolate, you get that endorphin hit without eating chocolate and without adding calories to your waistline. It's amazing. It's, um, it's, it's so funny because my mouth is salivating as you're speaking. And it, it's, it's making me remember about, because, you know, I used to be, uh, I used to teach um, emotional well-being and happiness um, yeah. and this kind of thing. And of course, the example I used to use in my workshops was, was you know, when you suck a lemon and you, and you can sal- salivate, but a lemon isn't nearly as tempting as a chocolate. And I'm thinking, why would I not have used the example of chocolate? Yeah, but you're right. The lemon is the same thing. Your yeah. mirror neuron are firing because you're thinking oh my god and and it's so powerful and what this means and this is just all about your mirror neurons but what it means is that we are hardwired for empathy yeah so you know when you and you know it when 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 you see you know tragedy unfolding and you see images of that you it, it you just immediately it triggers that empathy But likewise, you know, if you replace negative images with happy images of, you know, the positive side of giving, for example, so happy children or, you know, gay pride march or or whatever it might be, but those mirror neurons start firing in a positive way. So it's just, and I guess what it effectively means, and I love this bit, is that when you're doing cause marketing, you're in the happiness business. Because you are. Yeah, definitely. You're delivering people a little bit of happiness. Yeah. And, you know, you think about that Pampers campaign, one pack equals one vaccine, and a mother of a newborn child having to buy nappies and picking up a pack of Pampers where it says, you know, one pack equals one vaccine, you pampers and unicef helping saving helping to save babies lives yeah that's powerful and that makes you feel happy about your purchase totally and you know and there is no doubt that you that you know being kind exactly what you've talked about because there's a whole science around the kindness and the release of things like oxytocin as well and and you know when we are kind which we are hardwired to be Um, then we do feel better. There's so many health benefits. And the other thing is, you know, if you're bringing a smile to people's face, of course, that releases all the, all those biochemicals in the body as well, which is absolutely. And I do just love, sorry, carry on. No, you go on. Uh, Well, I I was just going to say, I love how you brought up, you know, that, that piece about the images, because again, a lot of fundraising from a charitable perspective has been the shock tactics, you know, with the distressing images. Mm. Um, And what we're really talking about here is we know that works, you know, um, and, but that there are other ways that we can also do it by sharing the good in what we're doing to put a smile on people's faces and to give them that opportunity through positive images as well. Um, they yeah. might not evoke the same shock, but they evoke a different type of emotion. And, you know, if we're wanting to build again, you know, coming back to this meaningful brand, 
it's about making conscious choices about things like the images we choose to share. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know, you know, the, the way um, years ago, 10 years ago, World Vision used to run these campaigns that were, you know, you'd see images of thousands of starving people and you just wanted to turn off the television because yeah. it was so distressing. And you knew even if you donated, you know, the impact was going to be so tiny. And I think that's what's led to people recognizing that it's about those small you know the the impact that is small and relevant that that can make a difference small works better than big yes taking small regular steps consistently that one pack equals one vaccine perfect example that is a small tangible impact that you feel empowered by as a customer rather than disempowered yeah, totally. And I know you and I are both members of an organisation called B1G1, and, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, which is led by, by Miss Sammy Sato, who's amazing, and it is what has been one of the other guests on an earlier show. So for any of our listeners that want to really have a, you know, find out more about that, I definitely suggest you go off and listen to that show about taking small, consistent steps and the small, you know, how having, you know, aiming to have lots of small impacts can make a massive difference. Well, um, yeah, they're a wonderful organisation. Yeah, incredible. And I mean, I know when we when I was out in Sydney, you talked about a couple of really good examples of companies that, you know, that really embrace what you're talking about here. And I actually found a sombrero um, uh, cafe when I was in Sydney. I went looking. Oh, really? <laughs> I did. I went looking after we met. Um, I've got photos and everything. So I was like, oh, my God, there's the brand that Carolyn was telling me about. And I was, you oh, know, I, wow. was, I went into, and this, this is maybe, again, another lesson and reflection. I sought it out and I went in specifically because I knew about their purpose story. Yeah. yeah. Um, what so did we you think to, when you went in? Um, well, I actually, unfortunately, I wasn't hungry at the time, but I liked the <laughs> environment and I liked, I liked the vibe. Yeah. And it was just it was just a small place in it was either Coogee or Bondi. I can't remember which one of the two. But it was when I was down in the eastern suburbs. Um, so yeah, no, but I mean, I was just impressed by what I saw and the way that they were presenting everything they were doing. So yeah, would you like to just share t- for our listeners? You know, just tell us a little bit more about them. Yeah, look, Zambrero, an amazing organisation. The founder of Zambrero is a person called Dr. Sam Prince. Now, he was, he started his first restaurant at the age of 19, I think it was, while he was studying medicine in Canberra. Now, he was the son of, actually, there's a connection here. So his parents were from Sri Lanka and they grew up in, you know, they came from a very poor village and they came from a very poor background. But his mother was really smart. And she got top of her class in the local school and she won a scholarship. And that scholarship was to Scotland. There's the connection. And she went to Scotland and at some point she got married. I don't know if she was married before and had two children and they emigrated to Australia. And so Sam, who is the son, you know, he saw from his background the vast difference between Western culture and developing countries. And he saw how much need there was in some of those developing countries where people, you know, struggled to even get food. So he really wanted to start a business to be able to give back 
And he had this entrepreneurial desire that he wanted to feed as well. So while he's studying for medicine, as you do, he decided to start a Mexican restaurant. Don't ask, me why, don't ask me why Mexican, but I think he liked Mexican food. So he started a Mexican fast food restaurant called Zambrero. And at the heart of Zambrero's proposition was something which is now called plate for plate. But back then he didn't even talk about it. But it was for every bowl or burrito that people buy, a plate of food is donated to, you know, someone in a developing country. And they partnered with, I can't remember the name of the organisation, Rise Against Hunger, I think it was, to provide the, the food donation. Now that has grown and it's now a franchise and it's, it's one of Australia's fastest growing franchises. So he's got something like 150 restaurants in Australia. He's also established restaurants in New Zealand, in Ireland, in Thailand, and they've got plans to hit the US market as well. Phenomenally successful. It's not a social enterprise, and yet Plate for Plate is at, you know, they call it their, the heart of their business. Their, their reason for being is Plate for Plate. Mm-hmm. and I interviewed him for my book and he, he was a bit sceptical because he said, no, I don't know if I belong in your book, if we belong in your book, because, you know, you're talking about cause marketing, whereas this was never meant to be marketing. It was just part of the business. And, you know, over time they've realised that people want to know about it and they want to get involved in it and they've started marketing it. And if you go into a Zambrero restaurant, you know, you'll see signage and imagery everywhere. So it, it's very clear. And it's a really, it's a unique proposition in that category. And they also do food packing. So they invite their customers to get involved in food packing days for this plate for plate initiative. So, you know, we talked about consumer collaboration before. And these, these food packing days get booked out their staff, you know, lots of millennials on their staff, but their staff love what they're doing. And it is, it's their purpose. It's their very reason for being. So as of, I think it was in literally a few weeks ago, they hit their target of funding over 15 million meals. Wow. wow. 15 million. Incredible. incredible. It, and listen to this. They, he has a target or they have a goal to reach 1 billion meals by 2025. Now, if you think that is impressive, listen to this. And this is a bit that I didn't know. And in the interview, he, he said to me, you know, and they're, so, and they're really profitable. So they've got this profitable business, plate for plate, contributing you know, 100% of the time, ongoing, it's not just a campaign, profitable business. But this is the thing. He said the real story is that Zambrero has underwritten a not-for-profit organisation that he set up totally separate to this called One Disease. So he set up this not-for-profit organisation which operates in remote Indigenous communities here in Australia and the goal of that organisation is to eliminate one disease at a time. And right now they've been focused for the last few years on a disease called crusted scabies. And they've, they, they've made huge headway with it. Um, 
But Zambrero has underwritten his not-for-profit efforts on top of Plate for Plate. Wow. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, so when he, I, when he said to me, you know, I, I don't know if I belong in your book, I said, but here's the thing. It's like you started with purpose. You've continued with purpose. What you have is a purpose-led brand that exists to give back as well as to make a profit. Yeah, and what a wonderful example. What a, Absolutely. you know, it just incredible inspiration to, to all of us listening. You yeah. know? And, and I love, you know, how this, there's so many different aspects there about how, when you put your purpose at the core of your business, um, how the impact is, you know, there's an impact on you, your profit for your business, the people that, that are working for the business, the customers, if you create opportunities uh, and the way in which you can embrace this is just endless. And Absolutely. I mean, there's so much here that I would love to chat through with you. I think we're going to have to get you back on again, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> Do another little interview because we are already going over time. But I did just want to give you an opportunity to just share, you know, some other critical aspects that are important in actually developing a profitable, meaningful brand. You know, some tips that you might have. Yeah, sure. Look, the key ones for me, we've touched on a couple of them before. One is it's got to be credible. So there has to be an alignment with your brand or your business and the cause you're supporting. You know, you don't want people to be going, how are they connected? Um, so there's got to be an alignment between them. It's got to be authentic. So, you know, you've really got to be putting the social impact part front and foremost and really you know being authentic and wanting to make an impact rather than going oh I might jump on this bandwagon and see if I can drive sales I mean there's nothing wrong with wanting to drive commercial results out of it at the same time and I, I will always say to a company we've got to look at how we optimize this but you know the priority has to be how do we create the maximum social impact and what I've learned is when you put that at the fore everything else follows making your customer the hero so rather than you just telling people what you're doing enable them empower them and make them the hero of the piece and that's so powerful so that's another one that you can do amplifying so just make sure you communicate it everywhere and partners are a key part of this as well. When you're, when you're involved in something like this, it's amazing how many, how many partners want to get involved, whether it's your suppliers or, you know, other businesses that you might sponsor or, or whatever. But people want to get in and they want to get involved and you can use that. We mentioned briefly small works better than big. There's something called the, um, oh, what's it called? But when I talked about world vision and, and the scale of big problems just feels really disempowering. Mm. The collapse of compassion model, it's called. Mm. So, you know, the smaller the scale, the higher the impact is. So small works better than big. And then finally, it would be tell stories. You know, when you get involved in cause marketing, rich with stories and tell those stories enable those stories to be told let your customers tell those stories 
very, very powerful for the brand and very powerful for the cause as well. That's fantastic. I mean, my God, those are brilliant nuggets. And I know already that, that you will, you, you'll be back. You'll be back. I think we're going to have a, a few other things that you know, we can delve into a few of those pieces, you know, in, in more detail. I'd love to hear, you know, be, to hear more myself, but actually also share that with our listeners as well. Um, so, I mean, thanks for sharing, you know, your time today and, and, and all these incredible tips as always I've just loved having this conversation with you and I'm thrilled that other people are able to listen in on it as well is there one last tip that you would like to share with people before we wrap up just start do something you know even if it's something really really small it is as I said before addictive and it yeah just start do something now fantastic and if people want to get hold of you um how can you know where's how's the best way to do that they can find me on linkedin that's probably the best place if they search carolyn butler madden i think it might be carolyn bm is my twitter handle but search carolyn butler madden with a hyphen i'm probably the only carolyn butler madden in the world There's benefits of having an unusual name, isn't there? (laughs) There is. So I'm quite easy to find. Otherwise, on email, carolyn, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N, at sundaylunch.com.au. Fantastic. And, of course, by the time this airs, your book will be out. So do you want to just mention what the name of your book is? And obviously, we'll we'll have all these links in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. Yes, my book is called Path to Purpose. And it's how to use cause-led marketing to build a more meaningful and profitable brand. Fantastic. So we'll link to that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here. Um, And thanks to everyone who has been listening in. I really look forward to connecting with you again sometime soon. And remember to check out givetoprofit.com for the full show notes, plus details of how to connect with Carolyn. And if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please do subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. And it would be brilliant if you could give us a review there too. So until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Give to Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you hear about our next episodes. It would be great if you left a rating and review of the show there too. For every review this month, Alison will be sponsoring a child to go to school for a day in Cambodia. You can connect and chat with Alison on Twitter using the handle at Alison Mac and through the Give to Profit Facebook fan page. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's best-selling book, Give to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, you can get this on Amazon around the world.